You are listening to episode 173 of This is Type 1. Today we're talking about the five things you need to thrive with type 1 diabetes. So I'm just going to list them out and then Jesse and I are going to just talk about each one a little bit and wrap up with uh, ways that you can get involved with the community because community is one of those things. So these five things, I kind of came up with these after just watching the whole diabetes community for a while to see what are these things that we all should have. And if you're missing any one of them, like any single one of these things, type 1 diabetes becomes so much harder to manage. So this is not in any particular order. It's just kind of whatever because they all integrate. But the first one is access to medication, obviously. The second one is a community. The third one is a supportive, dedicated care team. The fourth one is emotional support. And then the fifth one is access to education. So with access to medication, that one, obviously, we all need insulin in order to survive. But there are also other medications that we might need to help us live like full good lives as type 1 diabetics. And if we don't have those medications, then kind of stuff goes sideways. So it, I think even if you don't have insurance, I think anybody should be able to access insulin. That's why we have movements like the Insulin for All movement. And that's why there's all sorts of different programs for people to be able to access insulin at an, uh, like at a low cost or with coupon codes. Or even if you talk to your doctor, they might be able to get you like samples of different insulins if you find yourself running out and you don't have insurance coverage at that time. There's all sorts of ways to be able to access medication, but the problem is finding out what those things are. So I know there's a lot of different uh, resources out there to be able to find medication like that. So finding low-cost alternatives, whether it's um, generic, like non-branded insulin, I know, and I'm not talking about the Walmart insulins, I'm talking about generic Humalog. Eli Lilly has released a generic Humalog, and I know they are part of these uh, $35 copay cap, I think, but that's also for just insured people. So that one, (laughs) Jesse, do you have thoughts about medication? I think that there's a lot more that goes into like medication and like the side effects of it too, because you can sometimes have to take like medication to treat side effects of of specific medication. And for diabetics that kind of, it doesn't work that way necessarily with insulin, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with being diabetic, like foot problems, retinopathy. So it seems like even though, or waking even with insulin and taking Humalog and stuff like that, when you take insulin, it's a growth hormone. You're telling your body it, it needs to grow and compensate for the food that you're eating, which totally makes sense and you absolutely should do and have to do. But at the same time, you can put on weight from taking too much insulin or lose weight from not taking enough insulin and your body deteriorates. So access to medication to not only treat diabetes, but also the side effects of being diabetic is huge too. So even though like I only take oral birth control and insulin as like prescribed medications, I also take multivitamins every single day so I can like have more energy or my family is mostly iron deficient most of the time. So we absolutely like, we take an iron supplement and stuff like that. So even though you're not necessarily just taking insulin and just having access to the insulin specific medication, it's also important to think about like the other types of medicines and stuff like that, that go into being diabetic rather than just the insulin itself. 
And I know there's even type ones who take metformin. So there is that other level of what are their diabetic specific medications are there out there that you could be using that you might need to use? Because insulin's not the only one. That's the one we talk about the most because it gets the most uh, drama with the pricing on it. But it's also the one thing that if we don't have it, we will not live. But there are plenty of other medications out there that are designed for making the lives of type 1 diabetics easier. It's just we focus on insulin because of reasons. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with everything you said. Having Being able to get stuff like supplements and just other things that help us stay healthy. I don't know about you, but supplements tend to run kind of high on cost as well. Unless you have a really good deal through your doctor or something, they just they tend to suck the money out month to month. Okay, the second one, a community. Now, I hope everybody on this podcast has been paying attention because if you're a part of a community, that means that your A1C is probably going to be lower than if you're not part of a community. We've said that several times, and it's actually fascinating the research done behind it. I can't remember exactly where the research came from, but I did hear it from Rob Howe that if you are involved with a community, then your A1C is more more likely to be lower than if you're not. And we, I think, did you experience this as well? Yeah, so Jesse's nodding. We both experienced this when we got involved with doing this podcast. My A1C dropped from the high high 5% range all the way down to 5.0, which was astonishing to me. That was three three years ago, actually, this month. So being part of a community doesn't just have good effects on your your diabetes health, it also has positive effect on your mental and emotional health because you're seeing what other people are dealing with. You're seeing how they're dealing with it. You're seeing evidence that other people can thrive and survive and build amazing lives with type 1 diabetes. And you have people to talk to about the same experience. Sometimes if you're part of a family where you are the only person with diabetes, it's hard to talk to your friends and family about it because they don't understand exactly what you're going through by having a condition where your pancreas does not work how it's supposed to. So getting involved in a community, I think, is really essential to just thriving with diabetes because you're not so alone. And that's not to say you won't feel alone or lonely being part of a community. I'm just saying that it, it's less likely to happen if you have someplace you can go to regularly, if you have a group of friends that you can talk to, or just somebody that you trust that has diabetes that you can vent to occasionally. That being said, a community can look like a bunch of different things. Like there's a girl on the rugby team who's also type 1 diabetic and I consider her a part of my diabetic community. I consider all of our listeners a part of like a support system, an accountability system, you know, a part of my diabetic community. So even though it might not be uniform across everybody's definition of what their community looks like, it's still that really cool sense of like, oh, you're diabetic and I'm diabetic. We can bond over this or like even knowing somebody who actually understands what diabetes is and like what being type one is all about is really cool. So having a friend's parent, even though that your friend isn't diabetic, they can still relate to you and understand like, oh, I know how to help in case something goes wrong or even being like the parent themselves. Like I've had awesome advice given to me by some parents who are type one diabetics and like ask questions and like, what are you up to? How are you doing? How are the blood sugars? And we can have a conversation about it. And that's also incredible feeling. So if you're, you're like a kid and you know, your parent or like your friend's parents are type one diabetic, ask them about it. They'd be like, Oh, what do you take? What do you use? 
because that can be a part of your community eventually. So yeah, definitely like finding your people too. You're not going to get along with every single diabetic you meet. There's definitely some diabetics out there where I'm like, okay, cool. We're just, we have different philosophies on how to take care of ourselves. Glad this way is working out for you. doesn't work out for me, but finding those like-minded people or even people that aren't like-minded at you, like you at all. And, you know, also take care of themselves very well or like, you know, you're able to bounce ideas off of each other and stuff like that. That's also pretty cool. That's something um, I like as well is being able to see the different perspectives from everybody who has diabetes in a particular community, whether it's in person or online, it doesn't matter where you find them. But when if you find yourself feeling super alone and you don't really have a community, sometimes when you get into a community, it can be kind of a head rush when you realize that all these other people have different experiences than you. And that opens up all these opportunities for you to learn what worked for them. And then you can try those things to find out if they work for you. Because when we're on our own, sometimes we get stuck in circular thinking and like just our own ideas of how to do things. We don't open up the box anymore. And so when we can get other perspectives in, we can figure out, oh, there's different ways of doing some things. Maybe I could try it this other way that I never considered before because I hadn't experienced that person's experience. So that's another thing I like about the communities. Next up is having a supportive, dedicated care team. So that is, I think, going to start with your endocrinologist or the person who acts as your endocrinologist. My endo is technically an advanced registered nurse practitioner with functional medicine. So she's not technically an endocrinologist, but I still call her my endo just because she is my primary care and she is specifically diabetes focused. But I think the more you can communicate with your care team about your diabetes and about your uh, your A1Cs, your time and range, your concerns about your health in any particular field, the more you can do that and the more you can connect all of those doctors to each other, the more supportive you're going to feel and the more supported you're going to be because they will know things like to help you. Do you have any thoughts about that, Jesse? Support looks like different things to different people. So even though like say your doctor is like really good at the whole science part of diabetes and they're not giving you like the emotional support you need, then it might be a good idea to like maybe change doctors or like seek something else might be better fitting to you. Because if you're walking out of your doctor's office and feeling like really bad about both yourself emotionally or like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing good enough. That doctor style and your style of managing diabetes might not just line up the same. So it's always good to like look at besides just diabetes, what else is this person giving me too? Like there's some doctors out there too who will low carb isn't their thing or like they don't necessarily like like having their patients on it and stuff like that, which is completely understandable. Some people take it like way too far and then like it develops into like more problems than it does helping them and stuff. So it's definitely important to like look at what type of support you want and how you want to be supportive and then let your doctor, your nurse practitioner, whoever know that these are the standards that I'm setting for you or like, Hey, this is what I'm expecting out of this. And then having a conversation about it when you first meet them or like first talking to them, because they'll be able to tell you like, Oh yeah, I, I definitely am this person. Like I can't help or yeah, great. I know a really great person right across the street that will help you a lot better than I can. So That's always really cool. Not every doctor or medical provider you encounter is going to know as much about diabetes as your endocrinologist or you. I've heard a lot of stories from other diabetics that 
they are the expert in the room sometimes when they go to their doctors and they end up educating their doctors on diabetes. So just know that might be a possibility. And that doesn't mean you have to find somebody else. It just means that you want to build a relationship with that doctor of respect where you are talking to them in such a way that it's not like accusatory that they don't know anything about diabetes, but more just like sharing knowledge and being like, this is what works for me. This is what I want to do. Can we work this into my care plan? Stuff like that. So you might end up becoming like your primary educator for your doctor if you're, if your doctor just does not know anything about diabetes. And that might especially be true if it's for a specialty that doesn't have much to do with diabetes. I think a lot of doctors in general have some kind of surface level knowledge about type one, but the really like down and dirty details, that's going to be endocrinologists and the people who are actually living with it and the diabetes educators. Can't forget them. Those are all pretty good. I also will say that sometimes even like endocrinologists, they're not solely type one diabetic doctors. They've got a lot of other patients and other like they might have more people with thyroid problems or other endocrine system problems than type 1 diabetics and people who just deal with type 1 diabetes. So it's always important to consider that too, because that can help with like some perspective, like, oh yeah, you're doing great in their perspective of this other patient who I might sub- be subconsciously be comparing you to. Because that, that can happen. That happens with everybody. You know, you just make comparisons throughout the day and like maybe they just got out of like a really hard patient's room to you. So that's always really important to think about, too, is like they're not just my doctor. They're also like everybody's doctor. And those endocrinologists might like their their knowledge level will will vary, probably depending on the population, because if you're in a small town or a more rural area, they're going to have to deal with a lot more varied things and they might not see many type one diabetics. So you might end up educating your endocrinologist on your type 1 diabetes if you're in a rural state or a rural place, kind of like Jesse and I are. I know that there's not a lot of diabetics in general in Montana based on population. And so by default, that means our endocrinologists aren't dealing as much with type 1. They're dealing with more, like Jesse said, thyroid, type 2, all the other things that endocrinology covers because I don't remember them all. (laughs) Moving on to the fourth one, which is emotional support. Now, Jesse said something about how doctors, especially if the if they're not giving you emotional support to try to find a new one, that is totally up to you because I I think that while doctors should have some level of empathy and emotional support for their patients, I don't think that's their job. I love it when they do that, but when we expect doctors with their limited time to be able to spend an hour plus with us uh, through an emotional period, I mean, it does kind of, like the doctors do the best they can. I will say that. I would agree with that, honestly. Like, even that, like, that's from where I go in when I choose either a new endocrinologist or somebody that, like, you know, I have had to do that recently where I met a new endocrinologist and he's really awesome. My expectation is that although we only have like 20 minutes to maybe an hour together and like, you know, it's first impressions, this, that, and the other thing, as long as you can understand where I'm coming from emotionally and like, give me that sense of empathy and like feeling that I'm being heard and understood. That's the expectation for anybody who is going to come into my doctor's room and come treat me. You need to understand that although you have maybe great patients, I'm 20 trying to figure out life. 
I'm exhausted and in college. Like I don't live like an adult does. So as long as people can understand and like differentiate between like, here's somebody who's going through this circumstance and here's somebody who's going through this other circumstance. They're just different. I think that's the expectation for doctors. And as long as they can like make sure that you feel heard, that's the expectation. I expect that from anybody who comes and treats me. But when it does come to the emotional support side of things, I do think like outside of that office and outside of that brief overview of your life for the last three months, it does need to be somebody else or somebody or something else, you know? Yeah. And that can be uh, somebody in your community. It can be a friend. It doesn't even have to be a type one diabetic friend. It can be a therapist. It can be a coach. It can be basically anyone who has a listening supportive ear and who you feel supported by. And don't want to forget to emotionally support ourselves. That's a big one, too. We want to give ourselves grace for sometimes where our blood sugars are out of whack and we just had a bad day. And when we end up judging ourselves for those bad blood sugars, we just make the whole situation worse. So the more self-compassionate we can be, the more emotional support we're giving ourselves. And that just makes us more stable overall. But when you can tap into the places that can give you emotional support, like we said, the therapists, the coaches, the friends, the family, like anybody who can just step up and fill that role for you, hold on to those people. And if you want to find out more about our emotional support, then you can go to Half Dead Pancreas Club, where that is our our group, our uh, community online. It's on Discord, and we'll give you the link to that at the end. But that is, that's a really good place to come for emotional support because you're talking to other people with type 1. It's community. And I think that community is a really essential part of having emotional support. Jesse, you have any more thoughts on it? Not really. I mean, as long as you have at least somebody else who can uh, you can at least vent to every now and then without necessarily going overboard and burdening, not burdening, but like word vomiting on them, <laughs> I feel like is a really good way to say that. Who isn't a professional, I mean, excuse me, who is a professional, it's different. That's their job to help you go through those things and like help you verbalize what's going on and like kind of help process it. But if you're venting to a friend, that's a little different. You don't want to just be like spewing all of your traumatic stuff, not even traumatic, all of your stuff onto that them and then, then just like leaving it. You definitely don't want to do that to somebody. So if you do feel like you're doing that to a person or maybe to people in general, because, you know, we've all been there. We've all wanted to share a lot of things in our lives. Maybe get like talking to somebody in a professional sense is always a good option to have with that. And then that gives you somebody else who's in your community and in your corner. All right. And that takes us to the last one, which is access to education. I have heard from a lot of people in the diabetes community that they kind of get sat down in this, in the diabetic educator's office and just get an hour's worth of information spewed at them without going back to the emotional support, without any time for questions or really absorbing. And then they get sent home with like a pamphlet and maybe a couple websites to check out. So getting access to education, I mean, with the internet now, we all have a lot of options to look for, but you end up feeling overwhelmed because there's just so many conflicting opinions out there. And if you don't have a single solid source to go to, or you don't have a trusted source from like your endocrinologist or somebody else in the diabetes community that you trust, then it can feel difficult to understand what the differences are and what things to follow. But then there's also people who have no access to education at all. Like they're just 
completely on their own. Their doctors are not helping them at all. They just feel like they're floundering out there. And that might be because they're on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And they see all these other people seemingly with perfect lives. And that goes goes back to our episode about perfection on social media. When we have that vision of perfect lives with type one, it just makes things so much worse if you don't have that access to education. So we love having this podcast available to you to listen to, to get access to that education, to go through all the show notes, to find the links that we mentioned, to go to other people's websites that we talk to. Like all of that is here for you. It's accessible. That's why this podcast is free and will always remain free. But there's also other places out there that you can go to. And we will list a bunch of those in the show notes, uh, all places that we love looking at ourselves, places that have helped us, and places that we think honestly can help you guys. There's a few different websites that I consistently recommend to people when I get asked questions about type 1 diabetes. It ranges depending on what the question is, but there's always like a set th- like list of places I send them to just because we have this this knowledge and this experience to know where to go and to know where to direct people. So the more that you learn about diabetes, the more familiar you'll get with the different education resources. And so then you can start passing those on to your own friends. Jess, do you have any thoughts about education? I would say when you're self-researching, you can go down a rabbit hole of misinformation. So definitely be careful about that because there's some people out in the world who believe that if you don't eat carbs for the rest of your life, you'll cure diabetes or like, oh, you just have to do a juice cleanse or like apple cider vinegar in the morning. Your blood sugar will be perfect. Don't don't listen to that. That's just ridiculous. But that being said, if somebody does come up to you and be like, oh, if you do apple cider vinegar every single day because they write it off this random internet page, just politely tell them, no, thank you, but no. <laughs> and and, and you could send them and, and, our episode on bogus cures for type 1 diabetes because we did an episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can educate them too. Like you could yeah. also be to people. Yeah. But that's that's all I have. <laughs> Don't drink apple yeah, cider so, vinegar. Yeah, oh my gosh, apple cider vinegar. I mean it's good for other things, but it won't cure your diabetes. So these five things, like I said at the beginning, if you're missing any single one of them, your type one diabetes is going to be a lot harder to manage. If you're missing medication, that's probably the most important one. I mean, if you don't have medication, then you want to do your best to get medication because without that, you're basically dead. Uh, if you don't have a community, you can feel pretty alone. You can feel lonely and stuck in not knowing what to do next. If you don't have a supported, dedicated care team, then supportive, dedicated care team, then you can feel like you're floundering with your with your blood sugars. You can feel like you don't know what to do next medically. And you might be asking for medical advice from people who technically should not be giving you medical advice. So that's also a danger. If you don't have emotional support, then you might be on the road to burnout and you might be on the road to diabetes distress and not know how to deal with it. And that can severely impact the rest of your life if you don't have that emotional support. And then if you don't have access to education, you might end up thinking that cinnamon or okra water or apple cider vinegar could cure your diabetes and that could put you in a difficult spot with the rest of your blood sugars, especially if you don't have a dedicated support team. Support team. So like, like we've been saying, they kind of all integrate together. So whichever one you feel like you're lacking in, maybe focus on that one to see how you can bolster it up. Jesse, do you have any last thoughts? It's not to say that you can't, don't necessarily have to have all of these things in excess, but having at least part of these things in at least some capacity in your life on a semi-regular basis is really important. Specifically the medication, that does need to be 
a must have. But when it comes to like access to education or like a supportive, dedicated team, those are they there there are different resources and that can look different to different people. So definitely having something in your life that you can go to for all five of these things or at least four of these things on a continuous basis is good. They just might not look the same to everybody else. Yep. Except for the insulin. Yeah. Insulin needs to be the same. (laughs) Well, insulin in general needs to be the same. The specific type of insulin will vary from person to person. Insurance companies, please listen to that. (laughs) All right. Now it's your turn. The Half Dead Pancreas Club, I think, hits three of these five things with a community, emotional support, and access to education. So you can join us by going to inspiredforward.com slash community. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.